Chapter One, Part One of Rangy Pete. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Rangy Pete by Guy Morton. Chapter One, Part One. An individual known to all his friends and to most of his enemies as Rangy Pete sat with his sketchy frame draped over an upended sugar barrel in front of a building advertised to the whole world as ike colander's general purpose store one glance at rangy pete was enough to convince the most critical that whatever else he might be he was not a misnomer a second glance brought out the lamentable fact that rangy pete was totally indifferent to the liberties which ike colander's advertising propaganda took with the language of the land as a matter of fact he seemed quite fascinated by the sign for there was a look of pride in his eyes as he continued to drape himself over the sugar-barrel and gaze aloft at this evidence of ike's bustling business activity while rangy pete continued to stare with rapt attention a dribble of crimson paint trickled from his brush down over the lower clothing of his lanky anatomy and ambled its way in time through a crack in the upper face of a box labeled evaporated apples special merrill snaky y ranch when rangy pete's artistic instinct had at length been gratified his gaze dropped low enough to enable him to discover that the paint was obeying one of the first laws of nature jumping mavericks he exclaimed and that box is for roughhouse dan bet he'll say i done it a purpose trying to pison him or something like that rangy pete doubled up his frame with a jackknife effect swabbed off as much of the paint as would stick to his fingers then he raised his voice in unharmonious volume hey ike come here ike colander being unhampered by customers and being only half asleep at the moment the volume of noise reached his ears lowered his feet from the imitation counter and sauntered out in the direction of the familiar sounds what you bellerin about ike demanded plaintively as he thrust his head out through the doorway and encountered the dry blaze of the sun reflected back from an unnecessarily dusty highway i'm just wantin' to advise you ike to learn to patter your prayers rangy pete remarked imperturbably in his wonted mode of conversation i'm thinkin' they ain't nobody this side of twin peaks what can throw a peevish fit quicker'n dan merrill he's got a touchy spot what liquor ne'er nothin' else ain't ever been able to wash out of him so i'm thinkin' ike if you learn pretty pronto to patter the prayers we'll meet some time in the great beyond ain't that what the methody fellow said t'other night down in the tent ike colander knowing something of the erratic ways of rangy pete did not stop to ask the reason of pete's harangue instead he sallied forth into the glaring sun and he began a personal investigation that's what i'm calling some swell sign rangy pete volunteered they ain't nobody else could a painted but what's that got to do with dan merrill ike interrupted impatiently you don't mean to say you got me out here in the sun just to hear you tell me what a rum job you made of that sign then as ike's eyes dropped to the level of rangy pete's shoes and as one of the shoes shifted ike made a noise which sounded like a gasp you tarnation idiot he offered with emphasis you gone and daubed paint into merrill's evaporated apples ain't you got no better sense that's what we're gonna talk over rangy pete broke in as he fell back upon his characteristic habit of tormenting the mother tongue at the best rangy's selection of words would hardly have gratified the ear of an oxford don but at the worst in moments of stress or when a calculated impression must be left upon the ears of the hearers 
his mode was apt to slip into a slurring drawl which ignored even the rudiments of beginnings or endings just now he chose to have one of his worst conversational lapses you ain't got no head on you ike and that's why you're branded to die sudden some day take this box of apples you know roughhouse is touchy over evaporated apples yet you ain't got no better head than to leave the case right out here where it gets in the way of a little bit of paint when it falls off my brush don't you know it paint's gotta fall sometime it can't stay up in the air like a bird i'd a thought you'd a knowed that ike i'd a thought you'd take some care of dan merrill's stuff you heard often enough that he likes evaporated apples fit to kill ringy's dissertation came to a close because of an angry gurgle in ike collander's throat i might a knowed better'n to hire a good-for-nothing long-leg like you ike reproached himself if i'd a had any sense i wouldn't a kept you round here longer'n a minute and now you wanna blame me for that box getting all daubed up you sure don't think you ain't to blame rangy pete demanded in astonishment you ain't gonna say next that i've put that box there are you surely you'll get a little spark of honesty in you summers ike tell me ike that you got a little honest feeling right now i don't think i could go on living rangy pete's plaint was submerged in a greater volume of noise which came from ike's throat we gotta do something about it i'm telling you we gotta do something when ike collander had repeated the phrases a number of times so often that his voice had lost the edge of its asperity rangy pete chimed in that's what i been telling you all along i sort of thought it might be best if you pattered some prayers ike i'm knowin' you can't think of any yourself but if we went down to that methody gospel flail's tent he might shut up collander replied with more self-control merrill's coming in this afternoon for a load of stuff and i'm telling you we gotta do something he's all fired particular about these evaporated apples what's been coming in from the east you'd think they's boxes of booze the way he hugs em he don't drink much red liquor that boy but he sure got the evaporated apple habit you're saying something ike rangy pete supplemented as he began to roll a cigarette they tell me the apple habit's worse'n dope it sort of gets you till you can't leave the house for two minutes unless you got a piece of evaporated apple in your pocket they tell me it don't act the same on all men but it ain't made roughhouse dan any more like a suckin calf he's got a tongue like a snake and he's the boy what knows how to handle a quirt if you ain't got no objections ike i'm thinkin i'll go for a ride this afternoon since you've fired me i'll drop over to the double k and see if they've got any use for another puncher i ain't fired you ike snapped out we gotta do something and we ain't got all day to do it s'pose we swap the box down with a pail of water rangy pete offered i'll sit here and watch you do it you ain't much use ike but surely you know enough to sling some water on that paint spot i'll tell you how to do it yeah ike leered you don't catch me that way you know the water'd run inside and the apple'd swell up and bust the box that's right ike so they would we got a big job on our hands you might tell roughhouse dan that it's blood you could say you shot a road agent last night when he's trying to steal the box that'd put you in right dan's suspected all along and you'd horn into a fight for him any old time you got half a chance so if you told him that's blood who ain't got no head now ike intercepted the flow of words in an aggrieved tone he wouldn't believe it sides any fool knows blood from paint and they ain't been no road agents around this way for months they ain't been within thirty miles of triple butte and you know it rangy pete so why don't you think of something what's got some sense in it 
thirty miles ain't so much, Rangy Pete reflected. Sides, you said something had a be done. I could write you a note, signin' Dervish Dick's name to it, and I could make it look like the real thing. I'd put a bloody cross on top of it, and I'd say, You plugged me last night, Ike Collander, but I'm a-gonna get you if I have to swim in blood to do it. That'd make Roughhouse Dan open his eyes, and perhaps, Ike... No more perhapsing, Ike Collander insisted with diminishing patience. You know nobody wouldn't believe me when I told them I put up a fight. Rangy Pete slipped down off the barrel with a sigh of resignation. Now you're talking like somebody who knows your father's little boy, Pete rejoined as he bent over and lifted the box of evaporated apples and placed it upon the sugar barrel where it came more nearly within his range of vision. Ike, you're like a swaddled kid. You gotta have somebody running after you all the time. If it wasn't for me, I suppose Roughhouse Dan'd soon be wrapping his quirt around your legs to keep you from catching sunburn through that hole in your pants. You're a shipless cuss, Ike. But if I gotta do all the thinkin', I suppose I gotta. A kid coulda told you what to do long ago. Ike Collander's eyes had been instinctively watching the dusty trail ambling its way between the two rows of buildings which went by the name of Triple Butte and as his eyes followed that trail they eventually came up against a dead monochrome wall of nothingness representing a point in the distance where earth and sky and dust and hazy sunshine all blended into one ordinarily on a day like this when the world merely seemed to drone along under a blistering sun that dull grayness was all ike collander's eyes would see when they studied the trail leading out to the snaky y ranch but now there was a fleck of activity in the gray distance which caused Ike to step out into the dusty trail and stare into the west, with his eyes shaded from the glare of the sun. Rangy Pete's eyes followed in the same direction, but without keen interest. "'Tain't nothing but a few horses kicking up a cloud of dust,' Pete informed. "'Sponny, Ike, that you've been here ten years and you ain't never afore seen a horse kicking up the dust. I bet they's some men on the horses' backs.' And if little Ike'll come up here and be good, Daddy'll show him a purty man riding a horse. Now won't that be nice? Ike Collander returned to the front of the store. He appeared to be keen to say something to Rangy Pete, but it was the greater part of a minute before he could get his lips and his tongue under control. You're fired, blast you. You're fired. Ike's first words poured out in a stream. I ain't gonna have no impertinent lummox like you hanging around here no more. You get out and stay out. Thanks, Ike, Rangy Pete replied with unruffled voice. Lend me the makings and I'll be sifting along. I just about got time to decorate Triple Butte with my absence afore Dan Merrill gets here. Don't forget, Ike, to tell him that's blood on the evaporated apples. If I's you, I'd put salt and water on them quirk marks you're gonna get. It'll hurt a bit at first, but it'll take the soreness out in no time. That's what we do with the critters. Here's the makings, Rangy, and you ain't fired, Collander replied hurriedly. I didn't mean nothing what I said. We gotta stand together, Pete. What's that you said a while ago about knowing what to do with these apples? Rangy Pete looked past Ike Collander's head, and the faintest suggestion of interest came into his manner as he stared out along the sneaky Y trail in the direction of the approaching dust cloud. Rangy shaded his eyes from the sun, as Collander had done. Then he held one hand in front of him, as though taking sight along some imaginary line. 
I'll be smoked if that ain't funny, Rangy Pete commented. What do you see out there along the trail, Ike? Nothing but something we gotta hurry about, Collander returned crustily. It's Merrill or some of his punchers riding in. Perhaps, and then perhaps not, Rangy Pete reflected aloud. They ain't been no windstorm for a month, and that means the Snaky Y trail couldn't a jumped up overnight and lit down so far to the south. The Snaky Y bunch'd have to climb the yellow butte to come in that away, and they ain't gonna climb no buttes when they don't have to. It don't matter. Merrill said he's coming today to get this box of evaporated apples, and that's him. Sfunny. Whole bunch of cowpunchers chasin' around after evaporated apples. Nothing funny about it. Now tell me what we're gonna do. Oh, yeah, Pete replied. Now suppose you use them holes in your head, what some people calls eyes. They's a box in front of you, and it's got a tag on it what shows that somebody back east has shipped a case of evaporated apples to one Dan Merrill of the Snaky Y Ranch. Except for that tag, I don't see that there's any difference between that box and the boxes what you got back behind the counter. Gosh, Pete, but you got a head, Ike exclaimed in appreciation. Most people's got a head, but tain't everybody knows what a head's for, Pete rejoined. All you gotta do, Ike, is slip the point of a screwdriver under the tacks what's holding down this tag. Then if it sorta jumps over onto one of your own boxes, you can't help that none. You trades boxes, and he keeps the tag. They ain't nothing unfair in that. Unless them apples of his does happen to be special extra. Won't yours be special, too, when they get that tag on em? You shoulda knowed, Ike, that it ain't the apples what makes em special. It's the tag. Now, come on. That dust cloud'll be here in about ten minutes. Ike Collander required no further stimulus. He produced the essential implements of the hardware trade, and while Rangy Pete leaned against a hitching post and proved most generous in the flow and range of his advice, he hurriedly transferred the shipping tag from Merrill's box to one of his own, which to all external appearances was an exact duplicate. With the transfer made, he left the box bearing the Merrill tag upon the top of the sugar barrel, while he removed the paint-marked box to an inner portion of the ramshackle store, which he commonly dignified by the term storeroom. Ike brushed away the signs of toil. Rangy Pete shifted the paint-pot to the shady side of the building, and as the cloud of horsemen reached the first shack of Triple Butte, the two men sat down in the doorway of the general purpose store to await their coming. Rangy Pete's gaze wandered up the dusty trail, but apart from the life represented by that dust cloud, Triple Butte had but little to interest even Rangy's listless eyes. There were two or three dejected broncos standing with drooping heads in front of the saloon across the way. There were other horses in the corral and there was an intermittent sound from the saloon itself which Rangy recognized as an indeterminate effort on the part of Shifty Liz to coax musical sounds from the only piano in Triple Butte. Shifty Liz was a female, and for the lack of anything better, she was sometimes regarded as one of the attractions about Tony Burke's saloon, the degree of her charms being regulated pro rata to the amount of Tony's liquor which had filmed the eyes of the attraction hunter. Shifty had won her prefix from the rapid manner in which she had once disposed of a brash cowpuncher who had fancied that the eating-room of Tony Burke's mansion-house was the proper place in which to display his affections for Liz. At the moment, Shifty Liz had been rounding up fodder for a number of Tony's guests, 
but in the heat of the moment it was all shifted with such remarkable dexterity that it landed upon various weak points in the cowboy's anatomy since that time it had been quite possible for shifty liz to while away an idle hour in the barroom for the making of such noises as now reached the ear of rangy pete without the slightest fear of amorous approach on the part of any but the most utter stranger now rangy pete wished that the brash cowpuncher had not brought this punishment upon triple butte he experienced a keen feeling of grievance against the absent puncher and that combined with the heat of the day made him suddenly wish that the amorous one might be in merrill's party rangy pete was suddenly roused from his vindictive mood by the voice of ike collander they're makin an awful lot of dust and merrill don't ride so fast as that on a hot day yeah keep it up keep on yammering rangy pete returned peevishly ain't you got nothin to do all day but sit there and yammer about nothin at all this ain't no exhortin meeting down at the methody tent ain't you never gonna learn to sit still a minute and keep your mouth shut like me like you ike flared at some indignity which he appeared to find in rangy's words i'm thankin all the saints i ever heard of that i ain't like you look at the mess you near got us into me get you into a mess rangy returned with reproach if they was ever a more ungrateful critter runnin around without a brand than you be ike i'd like to see it ain't i been a punishin my brains to get you out of the scrape you got into by leavin them vaporated apples right where the painted fall on em ain't i got you out of a hole i'm asking and you got nothing to do but sit there and yammer rangy pete paused because of the striking lack of interest on the part of his audience far from displaying the necessary amount of umbrage ike had abruptly seized his associate by the arm and he was going through a gasping motion collander's eyes were rolling as though from fright or the effects of the sun and his lips were stammering try a hot pebble in the mouth rangy pete suggested it sometimes helps then rangy's eyes followed ike's dramatic gesture and he committed the unusual offense of stopping halfway through an idea gosh a-mighty pete exclaimed for the second time that day as he caught sight of the faces of the approaching riders for even a hundred yards distant he could see that across the face of each mounted man there was a dull grayish bandage which covered the eyes and ran well up to the hat-band and down to the tip of the nose there road agents ike collander put his gasping into words and i gotta get out of here i got ten dollars ike made a movement as though to rise but rangy pete put out a hand and returned him to his former position with the ease of one handling a child ain't you got no sense at all rangy asked don't you know road agents shoot on sight when they see a coyote taken to cover that away they oughtn't to wear them eye blankets for no man can shoot straight with a thing like that over his face they'd be just as apt to hit me as you any further wisdom which rangy pete may have intended to impart to collander was drowned in the clatter of hoofs and the whir of noise as the troop slithered to a halt across the roadway with two horsemen facing ike collander's store and with the balance taking an interest in tony burke's saloon with a medley of fright shifty liz strumming at the musical fount of triple butte came to an abrupt end the sound of voices died away and for a space of ten seconds or more there was the absolute calm of utter desolation 
Rangy Pete felt that Triple Butte had automatically wakened to the presence of the road agents, and that this unnatural silence was but the armistice through which the leading citizens deliberated with themselves, whether or not it were flirting with the great beyond to give battle to the diminutive army of Dervish or Dick. So Rangy's eyes darted here and there, to every opening in the walls of Tony Burke's fragile castle. For if there were to be battle, it would come from Tony's place. If Triple Butte ever swaggered, it was through the front doorway of Tony's saloon, and at this particular moment the decision of battle or of peace would depend entirely upon the assortment of individuals who happened to be hugging Tony's bar, and also upon the state of their liquid mellowness. As Rangy Pete sat through those seconds, he tried to recall just whom he had seen enter the saloon through the past hour. There were none of the sneaky Y boys, for Merrill's party was still due to arrive, and there couldn't be any of the double K punchers, for the battle would have been on before this, and there wasn't Sheriff Stipples, for Stipples had ridden away in the opposite direction shortly after daylight. Rangy Pete sighed before the ten seconds were up. The most formidable of Triple Butte's defenses would be Shifty Liz, and Shifty, he could see, had regained her composure for she was already grinning through the open window at Dervisher Dick. With a gesture to his men, Dervisher Dick sprang to the dusty highway, and with a pistol in either hand he walked briskly through the doorway of the saloon. The hands of the road agents, Rangy Pete could see, were bristling with revolvers, but whatever happened to be going on behind their eyes was totally concealed by the masks. As Rangy stared, he fancied that the lips of one of the riders facing Collander's store parted with a suggestion of a smile. Rangy promptly grinned in return. Hands up, you long string of horsehide, the man bellowed, with a flourish of one of his revolvers. Don't think you can sit there grinning at me. Rangy Pete's arms stretched into the air for a surprising distance, but he did not take the trouble to move from his sitting position in the doorway. "'Twasn't you I was grinning at,' Rangy returned in an aggrieved manner. "'I sorta of smiled at that handsome person at your side. "'He makes me think of my long-lost brother. "'Swallow the chatter,' the road agent elevated his voice still more. "'And you too, you little fat toad. "'Get on your feet. "'Don't sit there like a pair of dead coyotes. "'Reach for the stars, you long drink of water. "'Reach for em. Pick em out. "'Hand me that big green one what sits on top of the North Pole.' Ike Collander sprang to his feet with surprising alacrity, and Rangy Pete ambled into a standing position, with his hands thrust high above his head. I'm telling you, mister, this ain't no comfortable way to stand, Rangy found his voice in protest, and I ain't gonna pick no stars, cause I once got some star slivers in my fingers a-doin' this, and it ain't no fun gettin' em out again. Higher, higher, reach up and hand me down Ike Collander's chimbley. I can't go no higher, mister, Rangy protested. You ought to know that. Can't you see I broke my suspenders a reaching for them stars? And I got human feelings. Immediate diversion to the road agent's mood came in the form of a bellowing noise from the door of Tony's saloon. The sound came from Dervisher Dick, who was herding the full human contents of the barroom out into the street at the points of two revolvers and who at the same time was inviting his troop inside to enjoy the enforced hospitality of Tony Burke. There appeared to be the discipline of system in Dervisher Dick's party, for instantly, without definite instructions, 
the complete troop with the exception of two riders disappeared through the saloon doorway and instantly there came back the sounds of revelry among the breaking bottles two riders still sat their horses in the dusty highway one stood guard over many of the leading citizens of triple butte who were clustered conveniently in a sunny little nook in front of the saloon the other loomed up in front of rangy pete and ike collander as for the rest of triple butte there was not so much as a toddling child to be seen for the full length of its one dusty highway triple butte it became evident to rangy pete though personally unfamiliar with the habits of road agents had listened to the stories which had recently come out of the south about dervisher dick and was quite willing to give him full credit for a violent disposition without putting the rumor to the test the little cluster of citizens across the highway appeared to be in much the same mood rangy looked across past the two road agents and something in the pose of triple butte's leading citizenry seemed to appeal to his sense of humor there was tony burke lean wiry dark of countenance though just now growing increasingly red because of the flame of the sun and that steady sound of cracking bottles from the interior there was rummy lister tony's right-hand man sometimes known in more polite circles as a bouncer and always known in triple butte as the one on the house man whenever the courage of the guests seemed to flag there was lefty murker the set em up man who constantly held forth behind burke's bar and who had won the first half of his name because of the unusual habit of wearing a gun where the left hand could reach it the most conveniently lefty it was rumored had once potted an impertinent stranger and because of this peculiar arrangement of his armament he had not even stopped the serving of liquor with the other hand lefty was supposed to possess a bulldog brand of courage and until this particular moment rangy pete had never been given cause to suspect that the breed had been crossed with any less warlike strain there was buck menzie the stage driver who had taken a day off there was lonzo rafters who catered to the public in direct opposition to ike collander and there were a half-dozen other dwellers of triple butte less fiery but not less bibulous in disposition but there was no shifty liz a grin came to rangy pete's lips as his glance strayed over the inartistic group of citizens then his eyes crossed those of tony burke and he found there an encouragement to battle that started rangy pete upon a new line of thought which had nothing whatever to do with humor he looked back at tony burke and he saw that tony's eyes traveled deliberately to the gun at pete's hip then to the rider standing guard over collander's store then back to the second rider quite plainly tony burke was giving his mute instructions he was suggesting that if rangy pete would only start something he would join in while the revelry across the way grew in intensity rangy pete began to reflect first of all why should dervisher dick have led his troop into triple butte so far as rangy knew the accumulated wealth of triple butte could hardly have been gratifying to the dervishers and as yet while the road agents had done a number of things which would not win them many lasting friendships there had been no systematic attempt to collect wealth doubtless they would already have looted the faro and other gambling outfits which were the rear auxiliary of tony's establishment but rangy had reason to know that there was but little gold to be rifled there it was the off-season for punchers and strangers had been scattered of late dervisher dick should have known that 
further the road agents had not even taken the trouble to deprive the citizens of their accustomed weapons but that rangy pete knew was the way with the dervishers it was the kind of daring they favored but now as rangy reflected he wondered just what the dervishers could hope to gain from triple butte of course there was the establishment of burke laxton the private banker down the street but laxton pete knew had a safe which road agents could neither crack nor carry away further than that laxton had been absent for a week so no amount of compulsion could force a way into the doubtful treasures of that safety vault rangy pete leaned back and rested his arms against the side of ike collander's store fight it could be done but what was the use there was nothing at stake there was not the first reason in the world why he should put up a fight not a reason except that challenge which flashed out of tony burke's red face tony had southern blood somewhere in his veins and it was plain to rangy pete that there was something in the situation which did not calm that warm strain in the proprietor of the mansion house perhaps tony had more funds in the faro layout than pete imagined the message in tony's eyes was undoubted now it was an appeal in it as well there was a smack of flattery it seemed to leap across the intervening space and say that the citizens of triple butte had more confidence in rangy pete than they had in themselves rangy's eyes left the huddled group of citizens and they drifted aimlessly to the figure of the mounted rider as rangy looked the other's eyes snapped back to his face but that change on the part of the mounted rider swift as it had been was enough to tell rangy pete that dervisher dick had made a mistake in the man he had left upon guard it told him further that the rider had not been watching him rangy pete but that he had been watching something else perhaps ike collander perhaps something farther down the street and if the man's eyes left him once they would leave him again the longer that revelry continued across the street the more difficult it would be for the rider to keep his glance fixed upon any one point and men long ago had learned that it might not be entirely safe to allow the eyes to wander when looking at rangy pete in a serious way rangy pete chuckled inwardly though outwardly there was not the least flicker of change upon his leathery features pete believed he had left off gunfighting but there was something in this situation which recalled to him the old fever of battle it was an itch creeping through his blood it was a reawakening of the past it was a cry of the brain which seemed to say that out of the great mass of the world's affairs the only thing which mattered at this particular moment was for him to test whether or not he had lost any of the old swiftness of finger in a flash there came to him the whole plan for the overthrow of the dervishers and it could be done with comparative safety to triple butte there would be a few bullet holes in triple butte and perhaps some in her citizens but that would not matter two of the road agents came through the doorway of the mansion house with glasses of liquor still clasped in their hands here's to your health my pretty birds one of the men laughed loudly and waved his glass in the direction of the huddled citizenry drink to em smooch drink to em hearty cause maybe we won't be comin back this way so soon the road agents drank threw the empty glasses into the group of prisoners walked to the horses and with a standing leap sprang to the animals backs then with a twirl of their quirts they spurred their mounts and dashed down the roadway in the direction of burke laxton's private bank 
won't get nothing there rangy pete commented to himself two of em gone that'll make it all the easier rangy pete saw the whole plan now the next time his guard's eyes left him dervisher dick's crew would think the war of armageddon had hit them so rangy pete looked across the dusty highway of triple butte and he winked slowly at tony burke that individual winked back in understanding to the best of pete's memory there were ten of the dervishers to be disposed of there were two on their way to laxton's there were two here in the roadway and there were six in the saloon beyond disposing of liquid refreshments in a manner which lefty murker could never approve of rangy pete's arms were still stretched above his head sagging somewhat now and resting against the clapboard building at his right hip was a derringer inside on the wall of ike collander's emporium was a winchester that was all quite as it should be for long ago rangy pete had anticipated the moment when he might find himself in just such an unheroic pose as this there were many hours which he had spent in perfecting a clean machine-like way to overcome such a handicap and though the routine had worked out to his entire satisfaction when applied to countless small bottles and other objects the size of a man's heart it had never yet been applied to the human form so rangy pete's fingers itched to test its efficiency upon the person of the road agent immediately in front of him the method was simple and it required only the straying half-second glance of the watcher in such a weak moment rangy pete would fall awkwardly to the ground in that sprawling movement which he had practised hundreds of times but the sprawl innocent as it would seem permitted the right hand to sweep past the right hip and it gave time for the accurate flinging of bullets in any given direction rangy pete knew his own skill in flinging bullets from the hip at some object which the eye did not take time to see and he rather regretted that it would be necessary to snuff out such a young life even that of a road agent in order to put his system to the test for the rider in front of him he had abruptly discovered appeared to be but little more than a slip of a boy a slip of a boy with a clean unbearded face and with blue eyes which could not be entirely concealed by the mask across the face in that moment rangy pete decided that it would be enough to wing the blue-eyed boy a bullet through the right arm or shoulder would do it then a second bullet through the back of the other rider standing guard over the citizens of triple butte that would free tony burke and his army he himself would leap back into collander's store and it would be worse than rough work if they did not get at least three more of the bandits when they rushed to the saloon doorway to find the answer to the noise that would leave five at the most six of the highwaymen with their forces divided and with the most of them separated from their mounts and the first sound of excitement rangy pete knew would bring into play every winchester which triple butte owned and if that were not enough there was dan merrill and his riders expected in from the snaky y at any moment you're sure out of luck dervishers rangy pete reflected as he eased his arms a trifle lower there'll be about enough of you left by night to give the gospel slinger a full day's work and the poor devil won't get no pay for it unless we chip in and take up the dough for him who'd want to be a gospel boy with the cards stacked that away for the time it took the two riders to reach burke laxton's establishment and hammer their way through the unresisting doorway rangy pete kept his glance carefully turned away from the slip of a boy with blue eyes 
if this were only dervisher dick himself it would be more satisfactory it would be a cleaner test for this boy doubtless would be some degrees slower than lightning with the six-shooter in his hand and that would be too slow for him to escape what rangy pete intended to do rangy's eyes slipped back to the boy's face accustomed though he was to the surprises of life rangy found it difficult to repress a start of amazement for trickling down below the band of the stetson hat and trailing over the upper portion of the mask was a shimmering loop of hair you oughta know you young maverick that hair ain't nothing to worry about rangy informed himself but that particular hair ain't what one would look to be decorating the foretop of a road agent for the loop of hair besides having a shimmer which indicated that it must have received more attention than the male head crop generally receives in the butte district was long and wavy and gave the appearance of having been caught up somewhere in a loop beneath the stetson and that would be too foppish for any youth who hoped to hold his own with the rough-and-ready roisterers to be found among the dervishers abruptly rangy pete grinned to the extent of his capacity for he had acquired a thought perfectly absurd on the face of it but still with some slight foundation of possibility and if the impossible were possible then rangy pete would be enjoying the distinct novelty of being held up by a female bandit a female bandit and thirty seconds ago he had almost tried out that sprawling ground shot which he had practiced so many hundreds of times rangy pete continued to grin there must be ways of discovering whether or not this blue-eyed boyish person with the dangling lock of shimmering hair were really man or woman and rangy pete must make the discovery rapidly for the fate of the whole crew of dervishers he admitted was hanging in the balance if that were a boy then a shot through the right arm if a woman rangy added a shrug of the shoulders to the grin on his lips still the blue-eyed person did not fall back upon words which might have betrayed the question of sex say you young feller with the purty eyes rangy began with the grin still prominent you got the smoothest cutest little chin i ever set eyes on they ain't nobody in triple butte could stand up and swap beauty with the dervishers pet End of chapter one part one